hard to believe we've already come to the end of season two of the Screaming Idiot Show. What a damn ride it's been, boys. Hard to believe we've done, uh, I guess, 12 full episodes now in the span of, what, two, and, two, two and a half months? Um, we've been doing it that long? Yeah, man. Whoo! Yeah. It's, uh, like I said, hard to believe. It's been really fun. It's been really eye-opening and rewarding and challenging um but i think that uh i know i've had a had a lot of fun doing it even though it's been time time crunching and shit like that and we have to put a lot of thought and effort and whatnot into into doing this but um i've had a blast doing it so i appreciate each and every one of our listeners out there um growing by the day it's awesome to see all the new States and countries. Oh, we're in Bosnia now. Where the hell's Bosnia? That? It's in Europe. Thank you. I don't. I don't know. You know Bosnia. who you are. Yeah, I believe is like, like southeastern area. It's above right. Greece, I believe. Okay. Well, Mister Nautical sounds metal as fuck. It, yeah, it does sound metal as fuck. <laughs> but I could any be way Bosnian wrong. Bosnian metal bands out there that I'm we sure know there's of. Plenty of Bosnian metal bands out there. Seems like there'd be a lot of them. I have to do. I'll have to do some research. Yeah, it might be that area of Europe that's all about the uh, EDM. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not all about EDM. Neither am I. Yeah, but if well, we lost Bosnia. We lost Bosnia. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. At least we still got Spain and Germany and England and and oh, Ireland. That's another new one too. Fuck so, yeah. Yeah, Ireland. That's another Sweet. new one. Canada. Finally, finally made it to Canada. I don't know. Uh, Canadians. Why was that so hard? hard? I don't know, man. They must still just love fucking Rush, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Alex. Alex is on fire is from Canada and they're amazing. There's another uh, Canadian. Oh, you know that, that you ever heard that fucking song? <clears throat> uh, the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. That fucking folk song. Fuck no. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's like a fucking cult following song. It's like, it's a song about a big fucking freighter ship that got sunk in one of the Great Lakes. And some dude wrote a song about it in like the fucking 70s. And everybody thinks it's the greatest thing ever. And he died today and he's from Canada. So R.I.P. that fella. I don't know his name. Damn. That fella. Damn, that fella. <laughs> Am I the only one that, like, when I was, like, 10, that I thought Canadians actually looked like how South Park portrayed them? Yes. <laughs> 100%. Hey, buddy. <laughs> You're starting to find out that somebody you thought your buddy is actually your friend. <laughs> oh, I really thought that, you know, I might be the only one. But, yeah, I'm like, man, when I saw my first Canadian, I'm like, why is his, like, face not cut in half? Like, why is his head not moved like this when he talks? Okay, we've gone off the rails long enough, but thank you guys so much for making this so much fun to do and continuing to support us, and um, hope you love the content we've been putting out. Thank you to our Patreon subscribers. Thank you to our YouTube subscribers. Um, we appreciate each and every one of you guys. So we got a jam-packed season finale for you guys, and we're going to do uh, do a little bit of everything. We've got a pretty, pretty stacked show sheet, and I wanted to kick it off um, with some music business and band business, um, and ask the two of you, you know, in regards to the band, you know, what has been the, the hardest or the most frustrating thing about being in a local band as far as, you know, getting started or, uh, getting better, whatever it might be, just 
each of you kind of what what in your opinion has been the that most frustrating um, piece, and and in turn, how can other local up and coming bands learn from that and, and mm-hmm. kind of overcome those challenges as well? Whichever one, Preston, you want to go first. Man, I'm trying to think the hardest piece. Or most frustrating to you personally. Um, There's a few, I would say. And as simple as it sounds, being able to get together on a pretty strict schedule. um, Steady. Something steady. On a steady schedule. um, And it's okay when it's not steady, but I prefer structure in my day-to-day. I mean, it's just because life can get in the way. It's hard for you to get together at noon every Sunday or 5 p.m. every Sunday, which we've been better at as of late. Um, but then it's like you might have a two-hour practice. And, of course, you don't want to have too structured of a practice because you want it to be fun and you want to jam. Like right. That's, that's what, what you doing. do it for. Yeah. Um, but sometimes we'll go into practice and we'll have like a – not an itinerary build out for practice, but like one thing that we might think is going to take 30 minutes takes an hour and a half. And then we play three songs to end the practice. And it's like, Holy shit, practice is over. What progress did we, did we really make? Sure. Um, so I would say having a, a truly structured practice schedule and getting something out of every single practice, especially if you're only able to get together once a week. Um, and then the other piece I would say, uh, booking consistent good shows as yeah. a local band. That is all for me. Gives you something to look I'm, forward to. Yeah. Yep. And like work towards at practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. And then the other part, just booking consistent good shows because, you know, we'll get offered this or we'll get offered that. And we obviously want to make it worth our time, but also, if we have people traveling with us to a show, we want to make sure we make it worth their time as well. Um, you know, not every show can be at the Newport or, or wherever. Um, so trying to manage manage that and make it worth everybody's time. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of that falls into, you know, both the, the scheduling piece for practice and scheduling shows comes mm-hmm. back to, we, we've said it so many times, the 99%, right? You're not doing it for a living. You You are scheduling band activities around life activities yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. you know everybody in screaming evidence has kids and yep. those kids have life events and things going on and everybody's got jobs um so trying to i can only imagine how difficult it, and i i know just from what you guys tell me and about how difficult it is to get everybody together at the same time and try to make it you know like you said hey 5 p.m every sunday or whatever mm-hmm. it might be getting all the you know all members of the band to agree to that and make their schedules fit mm-hmm. that's tough um you know i, I think... mean you you've been able to experience it to an extent with with this podcast mm-hmm. though yeah you know i've i've compared creating this podcast to being in a band several times i mean it's just content creation and when you're working with other people you got to like sometimes it's a bitch yeah man yeah for sure. When the other piece, from our band standpoint, like, we're not one of those bands that can play shows during the week. Like, you know, there's there's venues down in Cincinnati or up in Columbus that they have shows on a Thursday or shows yeah. maybe on a Tuesday. I don't know. Um, 
But I normally see like a Sunday evening, yeah, Thursday, Thursday evening, Thursday, another yeah. big one. Um, you'll see occasional ones in between, but it's very rare. Yeah, and just due to conflicting work schedules and life schedules, like we're usually ninety percent of the time only able to play gigs on the weekends. Weekend. So, which probably limits us a bit to certain venues and certain bills that we would like to get on. Um, and, and hopefully that changes down the road at some point, but that, uh, I mean, it, it allows it to be limited on our end as well. And you've mentioned it before, you know, you're trying to balance scheduling good quality live shows with mm-hmm. creating new music. Yeah. So that, you know, that kind of, they all tie together, right? <clears throat> it's all, it's all a double-edged sword and trying to balance your time between writing and producing new music to play mm-hmm. live. Mm-hmm. And actually going out and playing live. So, you know, I feel like, and again, not like I have any experience in it, but I feel like being a local band has so many more challenges than being a big band. Because when you're a big band, you've got managers and tour managers and PR guys and all, you're doing it for a living. Yeah. You've got people that are setting shit up for you. You don't, you know, you you don't have a day job to go to when you're fucking monuments or whoever it is. You're doing that. For work, so you don't have to worry about all those scheduling. I'm not saying those guys don't have anything to worry about, yeah, but I yeah. feel like when you're when you're at this level, when you're in that 99, percent there's just a whole lot more that goes into that scheduling piece. Yeah, and it's 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 kind of a weird boat that we find ourselves in because we obviously the main reason we do it is for fun. It's what we love to do, but there's also that drive and that passion of you know we really want this to turn in to something at at some point but like there's an amount of effort that we kind of can't put in you know that kind of needs to be put in on our end for it to really do something well and i I think it just goes into the time that you expect it to take Mm -hmm. to get to that level (laughs) right i think we tyler i think you've mentioned that before right there's a scale it's yeah you ever seen that 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 meme of the more you the more you fuck around the more you find out (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's kind of like that right the more time that you're able to put in the quicker you're going to get to your destination the faster you drive the quicker you're going to get there but you're only allowed to drive so damn fast because you got other shit going on yeah so there's an equation kids in the in the back seat so i gotta go to the speed limit yeah i'm not a fan that's fair i get it i get it no those are great points and i think that probably just about every band that is in the position you guys are in Mm -hmm. is facing those same challenges so um i think that's good yeah and it's like i I follow some of these local bands (coughs) and they're they're out playing every single weekend or even during the week and i'm i don't want to say that they don't have a life or anything like that by any means but it's like how the hell are these guys Bro, doing I'm telling that? you, kids is probably the biggest thing. Yeah, I like just if, don't understand. If, you know, you don't have kids. You can kind of do, yeah. You do a lot more yeah, than, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you got when you got little ones at home, and I mean, I can speak to it too, you know, because mm-hmm. I got one at home. It makes things a lot more challenging with time because you, you're trying to make sure you're following your fatherly duties. Yeah, so, yeah. you want to make sure you're being a good husband, you're, yeah, you're being a good dad. Exactly. Um, Tyler, what would you, what would you say would be most frustrating or toughest mm-hmm. thing to deal with? I'm really interested to hear what you have to say. Cause just, I'm sure there's a piece of it that I forgot. Well, he's just been doing it longer. Yeah. So and just, and I mean, that as well. I'll, I'll, I'll do two things only because you guys brought up a really good point with, uh, Sometimes the time it takes that. to get where you're wanting to go 
but I think the two tie in together. So I might sound like an idiot trying to, you when know, you are the screaming idiot. yeah, you know, kind of phrase, but, uh, delusions of, of Granger is Granger, Granger, Granger. Is that what it is? Yeah, okay. Fucking Granger. idiot. Granger, Granger, <laughs> hey. I from the sticks. Been, I wouldn't have been able to say it. <laughs> he said I'm not good with names. I know I know words. I know the term, I know what it means, but that's fair. To be able to speak it, you know, I'm illiterate. But balancing these delusions of grandeur mm-hmm. good job. and healthy skepticism. Now healthy skepticism, is that a synonym for constructive criticism? Mm-mm. Okay, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Enlighten me. Huh? <laughs> so in business in general, you, you have to have a certain level of skepticism. And it's kind of this healthy level of skepticism of not just jumping into every opportunity um, that you can and also being able to take objective looks at what you're doing and, you know, can I actually deliver on this deadline or whatever it is. Right. So a little bit of skepticism really helps a business. Right. And a band is without a doubt, uh, just, just a type of business. And I have had trouble throughout my time being a musician and being in this band and trying to do something uh, with music in my life. There are times where I'll get really down in the dumps and be really skeptic that this thing is even going to work. You know, this thing's even going to do something. Does anybody even like our music? Um, All these, these ideals there. And then on the other end, I've at times drove myself absolutely nuts trying to force something to happen with these these delusional thoughts that and I say delusional I really mean there there's been times I've been borderline delusional with my thoughts of what screaming evidence is and what it's going to be more so when I was younger sure you know I what I mean? It would be natural, I would it, assume. You want to be it a would be natural. Yeah, you yeah. want to be a rock star. Exactly. Um, but even even still, it's like, as a musician and having that that dream of being a rock star or whatever, um, you know, in in essence, it's kind of fucking delusional. Mm-hmm. You know, if mm-hmm. if we if we kind of agree on the number that somewhere around. You know, one to ten percent of musicians actually make something of it. Whew. It's a big gap. That's a big gap. Yeah. Are we uh am, am I in that top ten percent or that top one percent? Eh. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and it it seems seems like an odd concept, but you got to find the balance between the two. Like you have to, you, you still have to have that dream. You still have to have those aspirations and that drive and that hope, but you can't allow it to get to a point of delusion. Mm-hmm. 
Because you're setting yourself up because for disappointment. then you'll set yourself up for disappointment. You'll drive yourself absolutely mad. Yep. Sometimes egos can get created. Um, that'll cause you a world of fucking problems in the local music scene. Um, we've seen it. We've seen it. Yep. I once upon a time had kind of an ego back in high school just because I thought I was the coolest fucking kid mm-hmm. in the world playing music mm-hmm. while in high school. And I wasn't, (laughs) but, uh, on the other hand, it's like, you do have to be a little bit skeptic, but don't be so skeptic that you just pass on Mm -hmm. so many opportunities, um, to go out and play or to go out and meet someone or go out and watch a local band play and maybe, find that you actually like them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, don't get so down on yourself if, you know, the business side of things isn't going as well as you want it to. Um, you know, find the balance between those two because you, you need them both, but too heavy on either side is going to fuck you up. So I think the moral of that story is setting realistic expectations, yep. right? There's a level of realism right. involved. Yeah, you, you, you're yep. trying to, like you said, find that perfect balance of what I think we can be and what we're really going to be or what we have the uh, capability and ability to be at this point in time. Yeah, there's a part of me, like, and I'm sure you feel this way and, and Scotty and Sean feel this way, like, there's moments in this garage when we're creating music together and I'm like, I swear to God, this could be something one day. I swear to God, this could be something one day. But then there's always that another part of it that it's like, well, we practice once a week. We play a show once every two months. Like, <laughs> I don't know how we're going to get there. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the music. And, and that's the issue I've had with Screaming Evidence is just I've always felt that the the music potential is there, but we've always lacked so much on the business side just because we've all always had something in our personal lives holding us back or at least holding one member back. And I, I promise you all, you're only as strong as your weakest, weakest link. Mm-hmm. Um, like, look, if you got people being held back, there's some bands that are like, fuck that dude, we're going to cut him. He yeah. can't He can't be there and, and do the things we need him to do. Mm-hmm. We've never been like that. They didn't cut your ass when you were in the Navy. I wish they did. <laughs> I couldn't get out of that bitch quick enough. <laughs> no, no, no. I meant the band didn't cut your ass when you were in the Navy. Well, we we technically weren't together. We had split up sort of before I went to the Navy. You guys were just talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were on a break. You we guys were just talking. kind of fucked other people. <laughs> we <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Scotty did. I mean, he went and got another band. Sean really didn't do much with other people. He's kind of a hermit. He just um, Skyped you. And, yeah, he just Skyped me. and You guys you know, had we, phone sex. We had phone sex. No, we had Skype sex. Skype sex. Christ almighty. But, uh, <laughs> it was way glitchier than regular phone sex. Yeah, yeah. But you could see titties. Yeah. <laughs> no, I do I do think you make a really good point there because it's, it's a thing that we have to accept. But 
and it's kind of, you come to a tough realization, like, you know, we're getting in our late 20s, like, it's time to go, or it's time to just keep Kind of time for, to shit or get off yeah, the pot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's... Most Scotty like, really feels it. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure Scotty feels it more than anybody. He's yelled he's, at us a couple of times. Voiced it. Yeah, um, and, and it's good that those are healthy conversations. They like are. Yeah. when he you fires gotta... fires you up, like, man, I've been doing this however long. Like, I'm sick of just playing this or playing that. Like, um, those are healthy conversations to have because it lets you know that that drive <laughs> and that passion is still there to do something with it, and it's it's what we would all want to no do. No different than. Anything else in life where yep. you're going to have personal highs and lows with morale yep. and how, you know, just kind of how you're feeling about the band or the situation that you're currently in. Um, and you have to kind of give yourself a reality check every now and then, right? Mm-hmm. And kind of come back down to earth and, and recenter and refocus and move on from that, you know, low or mm-hmm. super high that you're feeling. Again, taper your expectations um, and have a common goal. I think, I mean, I, you know, I can't necessarily speak <coughs> from the band standpoint, but as a podcast, we, you know, we set common goals mm-hmm. really early on in this, this project. And I think, a you know, local band should be no different, you know, have a common goal in mind, um, whatever that might be. And however far away that goal might be it, you all, you all got to be on the same page because if you're not, then you're all just going to be bitching at each other 24 seven. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? If you're trying to work, you can't be having a tug of war and working towards um, two different goals at the opposite end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, so staying aligned with each other and valuing each other's opinions, I think, goes a long way, too. Um, yeah, and there's a part of me that is like, if I'm 50 years old down the road, there, I would be so pissed at myself to say I never tried, like, to know that I never tried to really do something with music. Um so, I mean, whatever happens, happens. I don't want to be super carefree about it. <clears throat> but at the same time, uh, I want to make sure throughout all this, whatever whatever is to come, I'm having fun and doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. Yep. And then kind of the other side of what I was going to say is just <clears throat> as far me. as like the time it's going to take to get there. Yeah. Like... At one point, I drove myself into a near mental fucking breakdown with screaming evidence. And this was before you came around. Yeah, I think I remember hearing bits and pieces of this. Yeah, so it was, you know, I was finishing up college. I was going to college for music business. I'm getting all this wealth of information of really how to manage bands and how to, you know, make something of it. That was kind of the whole fucking point of me going to school. And then I have kind of a passion for one day maybe being an artist manager. But yeah, I'm looking at this band. I'm like, we got the fucking music. We blow people away at almost every show we go to. We sound nine times out of ten tighter than a lot of the other bands out here playing. Um, we really have a fucking shot and I started putting, putting, you know, plans in motion, um, would try to set deadlines and, and try to really build a plan. And if you're not, if you're not running the shit like a a real business, it's not going to become a real fucking business and you're Mm going to keep jamming in your garage 
<laughs> forever. Um, and that's, that's fine if that's what you want to do, but I was pushing hard at the time. Sean wasn't able to do all the things that I wanted him to do. Uh, Scotty wasn't able to do all the things that I was asking him to do. Both of them had things in their life that was kind of holding them back. And, and instead of really setting the expectations clearly, I thought through some of the conversations we had, we were on the same page. Yeah. But when the workload started, they were like, whoa, maybe we didn't realize mm-hmm. what we agreed to. Yeah. And <clears throat> here I am pushing and pushing and pushing, and I had a lot going on. Like coming out of a fucking divorce, trying to finish school, you know, money problems because I'm a broke student, um, raising kids, like... I had some health shit going on. It was bad. And I almost went fucking nuts over it. Yeah. Because of that kind of delusional thought of we're amazing. We're going to make it and we're going to make it right now. And I wasn't really sprinkling the reality in. And so then I had a conversation with the guys. I expressed my, my issues. Um, And then we kind of just talked it out and decided this is the level of work each of us can really put in. And then from there, then I built my plan. Yeah. And you kind of put the cart before the horse is what you're saying. Yeah. So then I built my plan, not so much around what all of our goals were or what we wished would happen. Um, I kind of built a plan around what effort could each person put in, what effort can I put in without driving myself fucking insane. Mm -hmm. And then we started doing it. And then when Preston came on, I was like, Ooh, I got a buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Cause Preston started taking a lot of interest in the business side of things after he was starting to get a lot of the songs down. And I was like, maybe, Mm Mm-hmm. We can speed this fucking train up, Jimmy. You know what I'm saying? Having some help on the business side, yeah. Yeah, and so then we started putting some plans in motion. We started getting motivated, get back in the studio and stuff like that. COVID kind of fucked us, and then we haven't really got our mindset right since then, I would say. Until as of um, late. I was going to say until recently. A little bit, yeah. But... One of the hardest things I would say about being a musician, being in a band and wanting to do something with it is sitting down, figuring out what can we do and then what plan can I create that's going to get us where we want to go and how long is that going to take? And after we had had that conversation, after my little mental breakdown, (laughs) I kind of came up with a five-year plan that was going to have us a regional success. Okay. And we were on track. Then we added Preston. And I was like, well, this this is either going to be a little bit of a setback or a bump forward. Took a little while to get the the songs down. Mm -hmm. Um, We really kind of held off on writing for a while. But then we got the business side moving. 
Um, and then I was thinking, I was like, man, this fucking plan might actually work. Mm-hmm. And it's it's crazy to look back and think. I I really set a goal for five fucking years out. How many local bands are thinking that far out? When you were when you were like fucking gun ho, I want to be a rock star. This is my life. I hate going to work every day. I hate the life I live right now. I just want to be a fucking rock star. I want to be doing music for a living. Last thing you're thinking of is what's my five year plan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I want to be famous like tomorrow. And look. We're we're about five years down the road from that conversation, and we're not where we wanted to be. And a lot of the reason is because we fell off the plan. Mm-hmm. You know, COVID didn't have to be the setback that we let it. Yeah. Sure. Um, I think it killed our spirits a little bit. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, the same same thing with, you know, this podcast. Tyler loves me saying in the group chat and in this garage, if you build it, they, they will come. come. <laughs> um, and it's kind of that in, in those early stages, it was, Hey, here's our numbers for the day. Here's the downloads. Here's where we're at. We, mm-hmm. we got a I few am, more States I'm and obsessed with it. yeah, you, you, you got a little obsessed with it and that, yeah. that's cool, man. It was exciting. And that's what kind of got me excited about doing this because mm-hmm. I hadn't been excited about something in a while. And it's kind of that, like, look, if you're if you're a local band and you have the aspirations to do something, you're going to have to fucking get over the fact that it ain't going to happen tomorrow. Most of the bands that you hear... They've been doing it so they've damn been, long. Oh, man, my God. They had been at Jean. it forever. You know? Norma Jean was probably a, a fucking local band for a few years before they... They got any kind of recognition and got into a studio and I mean, record was, label and shit like that. It was that. late like, 90s, right? First album? I think it was so, like And 50,000 band members since then. Like, God, they've had a ton of lineups. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... It, Actually, it I don't easy, believe... I, don't, uh, I think I told you guys this. I don't think Norma Jean has one single original member in the band. Not one. No, the oldest member was is their current singer... Or vocalist, yeah. screamer, whatever but he was the original one. But he was not the yeah, original one. They do not one. have a single original member. That's wild. So It's weird to think of that. It is weird. I feel like you were... Like, we start screaming evidence, and then 10 years down the road, none of us are in it. <laughs> Somebody else is doing it. You're going, wait a fucking minute. Can you imagine, like, the original members of Norma Jean going, now wait a goddamn second. Wait, what? What happened? <laughs> I feel like he was kind of talking to me a little bit there because I'll fully admit, like I did, I watched the fucking numbers. I, st- yep. I, st- I get I get bent out of shape if I feel like an episode wasn't up to snuff. I get, I, I pan- not panic, but it, I, I worry about, um, you know, meeting expectations and uh, constantly putting out great content. And I, I guess that's a good quality, but it can be a negative quality too because being overcritical or, you know, scrutinizing or whatever it might be. And I feel like band is no different. So it's the exact same. I mean, we're writing these new songs right now and we get them recorded and just put in the computer so we can listen back through. And like I said, we came to the reality of. They ain't there yet. They're not ready yet. Close. Yeah. 
ain't close. We got we got a while to go. Yeah. <laughs> so I think those were some great points for for some local bands. I I do have another question in in a similar vein, um, and I think this goes with not just a band but any type of new business venture that you're starting mm-hmm. out. Um, you know, it's very common to go to someone else that's been doing it and ask for um, advice or or any kind of guidance. So, you know, in regards to that, you know, have you guys ever reached out to any musicians outside of your inner circle, like outside of, you know, like your dad or, you know, family and close friends um, and asked advice regarding the band or, you know, you as a musician? Um, And if so, you know, who were they and, and how did they help you? Yeah, I mean, there's been a few bands that I've reached out to and asked like, hey, how do what do you guys do to get on these bigger bills? And unfortunately there's a part of that answer that you hear where it's, well, you got to get in with this promoter. This promoter is going to ask you to sell however many tickets. And then there's a little bit of that discouraged feeling of, all right, so my people got to drive an hour, hour and 20 minutes. I got to bring this certain amount of people. Um, and then the other part of it is, uh, Sorry, I had a little bit of a, a brain fart there. Um, you know, when we were trying to get a little more serious before COVID and, and recording and stuff, like we needed scrims for the stage and we needed, um, you know, there were certain for T-shirts and merch ideas and stuff. There were certain bands that I reached out to and Tyler mainly already had a lot of those connections, but um, being able to throw yourself out there, bands like Sour Blood that we had reached out to because we know they had been doing it for a long time. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, trying to get into the Cincinnati music scene. I had hit up some members of Avanti a few years mm-hmm. back. Uh, they gave me a few connects. So I, it's all, it's all networking. Um, I don't know that I've really reached out to certain bands for real, real advice. Like, Maybe not on the creative side, but more more on the business business side. side. And yeah. I think that's what I was really asking was yeah. more on the the business side. So, mm-hmm. Tyler, go ahead, buddy. I'm sure you have several. And before I, mean, I get, go ahead. Just one second. Who to you? And and this yeah. can be somebody in your inner circle. You know who has been the biggest help to you as a musician in a band. Um, you know, is it somebody in the band? Is it someone from a different band? Man, when you say biggest help, what yeah, like, exactly do you mean? Yeah, just it can, it can be a litany of things. You know, getting you comfortable with being in a band and playing live shows. Um, you know, any kind of advice you've gotten from someone that's just really stuck with you as a musician in a band um, and, and helped you become better at your craft in that, that area. Well, I mean, I would say Tyler's been a big mentor for me just because it was it was something that was so new to me. So foreign, yeah, right? Yeah, it was all foreign, um, and he just kind of, I was his little guinea pig, I was just guided along. Um, I, other than Tyler, I don't know that there's been anybody that, you know, there's sneak peeks of music I'll send to somebody, and they'll say, yeah, that's cool, but try this or something like that, but I don't know. Shout that out maybe, you should, maybe you should whittly diddly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shout out I don't Derek. know that there's anybody that I've, that I truly turn to uh, on the creative side. I rely on myself Yeah, and the band um, for the most part, but on the business side, 
me and him really spearheaded ourselves and we'll we'll reach out to people if need be but a lot of it we already not that we we know or we can figure you know we try to figure it out ourselves yeah you don't learn if you don't attempt it so tyler i didn't mean to cut you off but again you're good um i would say dude you know we had dad on last episode like dad taught me so fucking much oh for sure like i knew quite a bit of what goes on in the background uh because of dad sean joked about it uh when he was here you know like dad was our our coach with our first little band that we had standard um because dad would you know dad was really supportive and would you know, he brought us over to where his band was practicing. They had a solid PA and stuff like that. We would practice in there. And Dad would be like, hey, do this, do that. Um, bro, quit scooping the mids. Um, <laughs> you know, shit like that. And, you know, he was telling Sean, like, you got you to fucking holler in that thing. You know what I mean? That's a hell of a holler, <laughs> on, you. A holler on you. <laughs> but uh, so, you know, having that for me helped out tremendously. Um, even when we started in screaming evidence and I'm hanging out with Scotty and, and, uh, uh, Jason, um, these guys that were pushing 30 and I was a 16 year old fucking punk. Like I was, I was teaching them some shit. Yeah. Um, just because dad fucking, (laughs) (laughs) just because dad had already fucking taught me. And then through dad i had like tony tipton around so i've always gotten great advice from him musically creatively um he's a producer himself so i've gotten a lot of advice from him on that side anytime i run into him we're we're talking about product music production for a you know poorly managed amount of time and <laughs> It's, you know, all these, these people I've had connections with since I was a fucking kid, like Tony changed my diapers, you know, when I was a baby, like that's, he's been around that long. So by the time I got into screaming evidence and I was like in my late teens doing the damn thing. That's where my ego and my arrogance got the better of me because I just wouldn't fucking ask people for help mm-hmm. because anytime I did, it was someone that would say some absolutely stupid shit. And I'm like, no, that's, yeah. that's the best advice you got. Cool. Um, I got that when I was like 12. <laughs> um, but what happened from that is I, I didn't network very well. Sure. Because I thought I knew everything. I didn't feel like I needed to ask anybody anything. And when you ask somebody a question, like they get a little giggity. Like you came to me for advice. Okay. Okay. You know, and you can build connections like that in the music industry. When me and Preston started getting more serious about pushing the band and stuff, it was very much, whether I knew the answer or not, sometimes I just reach out, you know, when, when I went to get our shirts, like 
could I have gotten the shirts I wanted on my own? Yes. Sure, I could have found whoever to do it. Um, but I started asking like local bands, like, where are you getting your shirts from? You know, where are you getting that material from? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what is that material? Let me make sure I add that in my fucking order. Um, and, and things like that. And it just, you end up linking up with local, local businesses rather than, you know, the stuff you're going to find when you Google, um, which was cool. We made some connections Mm -hmm. that way. Um, thing drives me nuts anyway <laughs> um had a squirrel moment but a squirrel <laughs> i'd say some people i would like to talk to and, and like to get some advice from um you know it was cool to to talk to avanti about getting into cincinnati because they weren't from cincinnati mm-hmm they were from an hour away from cincinnati and right. it's like how the fuck did you guys get in there living so far away um, talking to the guys from Sour Blood about like, how are you booking these shows in Columbus so consistently on these big bills? Though I know part of it is they're not diluting their their audience, so they're not they're not booking these shows every weekend and mm-hmm. asking their fans from here in Fayette County to go up there every weekend. Yeah. They're only booking a certain amount of shows up there. And so when they call upon their audience to, hey, come support us, buy some tickets, come watch us jam, more people are willing to do it. Screaming Evidence didn't always do that. We we went on like a stint where it was like twice a month we were playing in Columbus, Dayton, or Cincinnati. And we did that for months on end. And it got to a point where we just weren't selling tickets anymore because our audience was kind of over it. Mm-hmm. So getting getting some advice from those guys would be cool. Um, figure out how they're getting into the king of clubs. I know they got some connections with the people that run it. Um, you know, some things like that. Isn't that where Waste Away just played? Mm-hmm. It's a popping venue right now. It's kind of like the new Al Rosa. Show was killer, by the way. I watched their videos. Which, you know, I'm fucking obsessed with them. So I think it goes back to my old and favorite saying. A man has to know his limitations and a man (laughs) has to be able to admit when he's wrong. Mm -hmm. Words of wisdom from the Screaming Idiots. I think that was some kick-ass advice for um, local bands to ponder on. Um as the listeners know, that's a big part of this show is is to support local local bands and and uh, let these guys offer any kind of uh, friendly advice that network, they, network, network yeah, that they can pass Same along. Anything, to, but they can pass along to you guys, and and hopefully you can use it. So I want to move into a little bit of a debate, and the thing that I, I it just popped into my head today, and it really made me think, and I'm still not sure that I have my own answer to it, <clears throat> but I just want us to kind of bounce some ideas off of each other here and see if we can come up with something. What newer bands, and by newer I mean, you know, the last 10 years coming out, if any, do you guys think have that Metallica level of longevity? Zero. And what? Yep. <laughs> and what I mean by that is still producing new music, touring, 
and whatnot 20 to 30 years from now at a very high level? Zero? I think zero. I think people's attention spans, their attention span, it's so we're in an instantaneous society. And that's where I I landed. I'm like, I can't think. And there are so many bands that I love and am obsessed with right now. Mm Mm-hmm. But I don't know that I will be in five years. Yeah. I mean, five's kind of for the bands that I really love. As long as they keep putting out music, they keep doing the things they're doing. But 20 or 30 years from now, I mean, bro, Metallica's been doing it for 40 years, man. Yep. Kill 'em All is 40 years old. It was something about the 80s and 90s. Like it just. I think that because there was. When I. I think there was way less bands in the 80s and 90s than there are now. There are fucking thousands upon thousands <laughs> of groups out there right now. And back then, it just felt like there wasn't that many. And maybe there were, they just weren't accessible because of technology, right? Yeah. And like, you, I mean, we've said it before on the show, and you just said it. We live in an instantaneous society where everything we want is at the fucking tips of our fingers. It's right here. Yep. We're an iPad generation. Yep. And we get so bored with certain content after a certain period of time and bands like Metallica. And there's so many others that I could use as an example from that era that are still, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not uh, relevant. Yeah. Now Metallica is one of the few (coughs) that is from that era that is still Still touring, still putting out new records, good records, and are still as relevant as selling out stadiums all over the world. Mm-hmm. They're kind of it, right? Well, I mean that Megadeth. You know, they're still selling out big shows, putting out new music all the time, all that shit. And there's probably genres that we're forgetting or not mentioning that maybe they are still more relevant, however many years later. But specifically, like the metal genre, yeah. I mean, I don't know who is still doing it at a high level. Yep, so it's zero. It's zero. Um, Still good talking. You know, kind of talking about, touching on a few things you guys discussed. Look, the internet was cool. It kind of killed the record labels. But with every good thing comes something fucking shitty, too. Sure. And what we have is a lack of gatekeepers. A lack of gatekeepers? A lack Boy, that's a hot take. There's going to be a lot of people going, hmm? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> All right? If you disagree with that, you know, you know, fuck you. Fuck but you. But here's the thing. That's metal as fuck. There's no, because there's, there's no gatekeeper to say, all right, through me and only through me, your music will be available to the public. Oh, that because kind of Because there's, there's no one... There's no one able to really do that because record labels no longer have the grip and the hold on the music industry that they had back in the 80s and kind of even in the 90s. Um, Any Tom, Dick, and Harry with a fucking computer or an iPhone that can record themselves playing, you know, in in a garage or a basement or whatever can upload their music to the YouTubes. Um, it really doesn't take that much to get your music on mm-hmm. Spotify and iTunes and, you know, Pandora and all these things. It does not take that much effort. And all you need is like fucking 50 bucks to, 
yeah. pay the fee and it's everywhere. Yeah. And because there's so much being uploaded every fucking hour of the day, there is this huge wall of noise. And the only way for you to make it big is to break through that wall of noise. And it is so difficult to do that because there's thousands of bands out there trying to do the same thing. And so everyone's fighting for the attention. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's a perfect way to put it. And <clears throat> because everyone's fighting for the attention, the sad reality is that even when you do make it, you ain't done fighting, bitch. No. no. Hey, we've talked about it a lot. Polaris. Yep. They're losing that fight because they haven't put out anything new. Out content. Yep. They're not putting out content to keep people interested. Yeah, they're touring all around the world and stuff. And all around the world, I but mean, they're playing three the U.S., U.K., and Australia. Um, they're playing three-year-old songs. <laughs> pretty much. And it's like, yep. y'all, y'all got to like balance playing out and writing new music and delivering new content. Do I still listen to him in the gym about once a week? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I do. Um, but it has started to get stagnant and yep, they're agree. not in the rotation as frequently as they once were. Um and so that longevity is is so incredibly difficult to obtain and maintain. I don't think there is any band out there within the last 10 years that is ever going to even scratch the surface of what Metallica did. I would agree. I Or has done. Yeah, I, I mean... It, Still doing, unfortunately for me. Yeah, well, it goes back... I mean, Metallica's the greatest band of all time. They're, I believe so. Sim- simply put, they're the greatest band of all time. Like them, hate them, doesn't matter. What they've done is, is in our opinion... They are inevitable. Yeah, they're inevitable. <laughs> they're, they are unrepeatable. I mean, 40 years they've been doing this shit at the pinnacle of what you can do it at. They're the only band in the world that's played on all fucking seven. They played a goddamn show on Antarctica. Mm-hmm. They played on all seven continents. They sell out the Just biggest... Just because they can. They, exactly. They sell out the biggest venues in the world every night they play. They put out a new record. They're in their fucking fifties, and like late fifties, like six, like almost sixty, mm-hmm. and still go out and fucking jam. And the thing is, is in order to do that, they had to capture younger generations too, mm-hmm. because it's not just the dude, the guy, you know, the guys, our dad's age. It's it's our us. generation, yeah, I mean, that are in our twenties yep. that go to those shows and listen to that music. Late twenties, by the way. Yeah, like don't remind us, bro. You're still the I oldest did. one. I am. So, if I'm going to be in pain today, everyone's going to be in pain. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. So they have they have done something that I I don't know that nope anybody else in any genre of music has ever been able to do. I do think there are bands maybe from like early 2000s that, you know, might still have the longevity Here's aspect. Here's where it gets interesting. However, you know, 
are they going to do it to the level Metallica no. did? I, no. Yeah, no. And that Will they have the longevity? You know, like the Foo Fighters <clears throat> yes. came out. Mm-hmm. When, did, when did their first album drop? Wasn't it like late 90s? I believe it was, but I so can like, it you, there's There's some bands there that will continue the longevity. Alice in Chains is still rocking and rolling. Um, and they're Slipknot, Corn. You know, yeah, all, all the remains. There's, kill, or not all the remains, I'm sorry. They uh, Kill Switch. Yep. Um, so there is a lot of bands that, so my question wasn't necessarily to the level, but the longevity piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so the but long- last 10 years, no, no, not yeah. That was my whole thing was last 10 years because even back in the late nineties, early two thousands, music still was not as easily accessible as it is now. You didn't, there was no streaming. Right. People were still buying CDs. They were, you know, you get into the. 2005, 6, 7, you get LimeWire and Napster and all that mm-hmm. shit, crash well, your computer shit. But we were even talking about how we were listening to music in, in high school and middle school and stuff. And it was, it was CDs. It was CDs and yeah. the YouTubes started, yep. but wasn't quite the, the huge thing no, it, was. it was. What was Remember how Pandora one. captured? There was, there was a Pandora few. was huge Pandora at one time. Was a big deal because you could swipe th- through and just. I think oh, I found like this panel. Yeah, because it was all randomized. It was yeah. like it was like radio in the stations. same genre. Yeah, yeah. what were you online saying, radio? Online but, radio. Uh, yeah. yeah, there was. I think there was a few other video channels out there. Like YouTube had to compete in the at beginning. one time. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I think even Yahoo had like a video thing. Oh man, I think you're right because I had a Yahoo email. Like when email was first a thing, um, and everybody actually used Yahoo before they got hacked, and mm-hmm. yeah, which one, my account was one of those. So hopefully, I get paid when this settlement thing happens. But, um, but yeah, there the YouTube when it first came out, bro. YouTube was not like all music. It was a bunch of fucking memes and and goofy shit and uh, chocolate rain. That shit, <laughs> chocolate rain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, and I think we make a good point in regards to staying relevant. It's chicken. It's a waffle fries for free. Bro, I remember all those old YouTube videos. I have no I'm idea sorry. What we're talking Go ahead. About. Uh, no, you're good. So, we talk about staying relevant, and there's a couple examples as of late that I feel like is what you have to do as a band to make something of yourself. And we, t- like, we've been talking a little bit at Spirit Box lately. Mm-hmm. They had dropped Eternal Blue was good people jammed it and then they dropped a three song ep mm-hmm. i wasn't crazy about it but some people loved it and then now they dropped this new single and maybe a new Boy. album's coming mm-hmm. um Killer and then song, by the way. we noticed that they're about to tour with shinedown and papa roach and papa roach and it's like okay they're doing something different they're not they're not a polaris where they're releasing an album three years later releasing another you know and touring in between like they i feel like they understand like what's going on with our instantaneous society of uh, we got six months and we got to have new stuff and and here's the thing about singles are back yeah and here's the thing about spirit box they were Mm -hmm. releasing that that ep and that single while they were touring with bad omens yeah so they're putting content out on the fucking road yep yep and then a band like like miles of flames they dropped um no eternity oh no no eternity in gold awesome we jammed it and then they drop um the ep oh, what was God. it called it had ameliorate on it and uh, yeah i can't remember what it's called yes. teeth and all that nah, yeah um they dropped that ep they disrespected the entire community when they dropped that. oh my god and it came out of nowhere 
And we were obsessed with it. They were like, we're better than all of them. And they were touring. They were touring. <laughs> we went and seen them. Yep. And then it's it's been some time, probably six months. I'm not sure on the timeline. But uh, now they drop right. another single. They're um, dropping another one. That, and they drop one this upcoming week. Yeah, which like, I know while a lot of you are listening to this, it's already been out yeah, and yeah. whatnot. But you, y'all know how the deal works for season two. Right. Don't worry. We'll have bonus content coming to break down the new Currents album, break down new Mavs shit. And hang, I think there's there. I think there's a new model of well we got to release an album then we got to release an EP six months later then we have, have pure d- like porcelain pure like porcelain yeah duh um, then we have to drop and they drop a the, single but bro before did you forget about Basil- Basilisk and Inherit yeah, the Tragedy I forgot in between about that. yeah yeah por- porcelain and um, No Eternity and Gold was that but, in between yes that was in twenty one. So I would dropped. say part of it might be the support that they have. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, Polaris might not, because Polaris isn't on the same level as like Moss to Flame. As yeah, they haven't been doing it longer and stuff. Um, maybe, maybe their labels and tour managers and uh, agents and stuff like mm-hmm. that really can't justify doing business the way that lock like moss to flames does like like moss to flames they're probably on Signed the road the same label and they're doing well no different no, labels not. different labels yeah. but as big as both as big as each other sharp tone and unf yeah but yeah, if, UNF if i'm a business there. owner where am i going to put more of my eggs yeah you your basket polaris or your basket likes moss oh moss to, because they're just constantly they're they're they're, just, they're already big Mm-hmm. Um, they have a, a, a larger following, mm-hmm. larger following means more money. So I'm going to put more eggs in the basket. That's going to give me the most return. They're playing bigger shows. Yep. They're on bigger bills. They're headlining bigger bills. I don't know. So I've it's seen like, players have some, probably in Australia, but I've seen players have some big ass shows. Most but of I get Australia. What you mean. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, I, I mean, I don't know if this is actually how they're doing it, but like, like Moss to Flames, they they can probably with the support that they're likely getting, um, and the success they've already had, they can likely hit up studios while they're on the road, mm-hmm. have like two weeks in between shows where they don't have to fucking be anywhere. Go record yeah. a couple and singles. And it's like yep. we're going to get in this studio and we're going to record, you know, a couple singles, like you said. That's yeah. All right, now we have something to drop. Yeah, dude. They, I mean, they did that because the No Eternity and Goal was twenty twenty. 2021, they dropped Inherit the Tragedy and the Basilisk. And then Pure Like Porcelain. And then Pure Like Porcelain after that. And now they're on to Predestination Paradox, and they're coming out with a new one yep. this week. So, I mean, and they're touring. Well, and that's that's a good piece because the label realizes what the model that needs UNFD to be out there. UNFD artists, I'm telling yeah. you, UNFD is the best label out there right now. Metal-wise. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it, it was, does it feel was like Sharp, Sharp Tone fell off a bit. Sharp Tone had a really nice run there for a while because it was Sumerian. Yep. Sumerian yep. was every, like all the Crabcore bands yep. were all Sumerian. Yep. And then Sharp Tone comes out of nowhere and starts picking up all the heavier bands. Yep. And they had like a five, six year run of being purely dominant. And then out of nowhere, like two years ago, UNFD comes out swinging out of left yep. field. At and least that, to us. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. And then. They start signing Invent Animate, all, era. all the era, um, Moths, all these super popular yep. metalcore bands. And, and they're they boosted just, them all. Just, oh my God. Yeah. Question. Yeah. I don't know if you guys Daily know this or not, <laughs> but is UNFD an independent label? No clue, bro. I don't know, but I do know it's a label out of Australia. 
Let me do a little quick research for you. Because that might be the difference. If UNFD is... Independent. Okay. Melbourne, Australia. Well, check okay. check uh, Sharptown. So that's impressive, being an, an independent uh, label. Why don't you explain for the listeners the difference between an independent and a non-independent? Oh, boy. If you can. So... You don't have to go too deep. I just... Sharpton's independent, to too. Try, to try yeah, to sum it up so. quickly, um, the majority of the labels in the music industry around the world are owned by one of three record labels. Um, you have Sony, you have Warner... And you have Universal. Universal. And each of them owns several subsidiary record labels. And each of those labels own a series of subsidiary record labels. And that, that, that that tree just grows out from there. And what they are is they're conglomerates, uh, in business terms. Um, one company that owns a bunch of companies that own a bunch of companies. So it's like um, it's like the the auto world. Yeah. Yeah. But the the money trickles down, and it also trickles back up. Mm-hmm. And so if you are one of these labels that are considered not independent, um, you're probably within one of those conglomerates, and you probably have serious money backing you yeah. when you get started and you're kind of getting things going. But as an independent, an independent label is really just a label that's not part of one of those conglomerates. And you may have some serious financial backing to get going, or you might be starting really fucking lean. Um, Fight the man, bro. <laughs> And UNFD, maybe they started lean or maybe they had some serious financial backing and were able to come straight out the gate, you know, getting, you know, attracting major artists that have been doing it for a while and then getting some new guys that they can really push and under their umbrella of UNFD, you know, a lot of bands that are on the same record label tend to tour together and things like that. So in my mind's eye, UNFD stands for you need fucking deathcore. Oh God. Maybe, maybe we should Google it. Ask the Google what it means. I thought you just Googled it. I didn't Google what it meant. The acronym. Yeah, bro. Another one that on a smaller scale is a rising empire. That's another one. Novelist and landmarks and a few others. Uh, belong to them. Is it a French label? Could be. <laughs> it definitely could be. It would make sense. So the parent company of UNFD is Unified Music Group. Yeah. So it's. I think it's just an acronym for Unified. Okay. So, hmm. but yeah, they are based out of Melbourne, Australia. Okay, yeah, I remember reading so that I, a while back. So is Parkway with them now? No, they'd probably be making good music. They'd be making better music. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably with fucking Sumerian. <laughs> Sumerian's not independent, are they? They're uh I'm pretty sure they are. Are they really? Still? Didn't we play a Google show machine. that was like involved with Sumerian records? Yeah, so or they have um I think he was an A and R rep <clears throat> that would go around and he would find local bands. They're, with and U- his... they're owned by Universal. I didn't think they were independent. Yeah, so they're universal. Anyway. <laughs> um that's weird because they suck. But uh, this this dude was going around trying to find bands, and he was trying to build like a network of bands. And 
be able to more easily bring bands around touring together and really working together to set up shows like outside of their particular community. Uh, it was the name of it was something stupid, but we played this show and he talked to us and then, uh, he was like, I really like you guys kind of talked us up and then was like, I'm gonna add you guys to this list, this, this whole networking thing I'm doing. And then I don't know what the fuck happened to the dude, but he seemed like he was kind of fucked up when he was there. So I think, uh, either he wasn't quite as high up the chain as mm-hmm. he thought he was, or, um, you know, he, just he, wasn't he was just talking bullshit to us when, we, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was not where I expected that conversation to go, but I'm damn sure glad it went there because that's an yeah. interesting topic is the the whole um, the record piece of it because so many of these metalcore bands have found their way and found their sound through these independent music labels that have made them blow up, like Sharp Tone and UNFD have just skyrocketed. Yeah, I mean, I've said it time and time again, and so have you guys, like, I wasn't sold on Moths until I heard No Eternity in Gold. And that was under UNFD, mm-hmm. and, and then because of the production of it, it was like, oh, why the fuck did I miss out on these guys? Yeah, and then it made you go back and listen yeah. to the old shit, yep. and you're like, wow, this shit's good too. It's just not as mm-hmm. crisp or whatever. And then you yeah. have what's cool with UNFD and Sharp Turns specifically, like they're signing, you know, bands like Holding Absence, Caskets, mm-hmm. like some different stuff. Yep. Yours truly. If I'm not mistaken, Caskets is with UNFD now. One of them, I'm pretty sure, Caskets is with either Sharp Tone or UNFD. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Currents is UNFD, right? Are Sharp they still Tone. Sharp Tone. Sharp Tone. Okay. Yep. And I don't know that anybody switched from Sharp Tone to UNFD, but seems uh, like those two kind of compete with each other. Who's Bleed from Within with? Mm, they're kind of. It's something different. I'm gonna find something out. Something different. I'm gonna find out. I'm gonna tell you in three, two. One nuclear nuclear blast. Yeah. I've heard of that before. Yep. So uh, let's see. They've got sabotage. Rob Zombie. Okay. Uh, okay. In flames. As I lay in dying. Flames. That makes sense. As I lay as dying. A, it all Slayer. Makes sense now. Uh, hate breed. <coughs> so Excuse a lot me. of those old school metalcore bands. Yep. Um. Yeah, I didn't know that, but you would think you would think they would have been with somebody like a Sharp Tone, but I mean they're still they're not. They've been around since, I guess they've been around for 10 years. We will come around to Bleed From Within later on in this episode. Yes, we will. Mm. So, well, that was a kick-ass conversation, but now I'm going to make you both really mad at me. And this one is uh, for all the Dad Rock fans out there. As as you all know, Dad Rock is near and dear to our heart. Tyler's tilting his head back because he knows what's coming. And uh, if you've been following the show at all for the past few episodes, you know that we have a segment called This or That. And I've got a special one for all the Dad Rock fans out there. It's going to make you scratch your head. As with all the other this or that's, you can only pick one. The other one goes away forever. This or that. Clear my throat here. Creed or Breaking Benjamin. Just let that one marinate for a second because remember... You only get to keep. It was one. easy for you, so you go ahead. Go ahead, Preston. Breaking Benjamin because they're heavier. Yeah, uh, I related with them as a kid a little bit more. Um, they, Breaking Benjamin was one of those bands that shot me into kind of a new realm of music. 
Um, even though I absolutely love Creed, it, it would be Breaking Benjamin for me. So uh, while Tyler is pondering and, and hating me for this, um, I'm going to uh, explain my stance on it because I also pick Breaking Benjamin. And when I came up with this, the way I thought about it, was well, it wasn't an easy decision at all because I love them both. But I grew up on Creed. I evolved into Breaking Benjamin. Yep. Creed was what my like my dad like had every Creed CD and we listened to his dad didn't (laughs) yeah that's what I'm yeah his dad rock bro I don't think my dad did that's probably fair your dad's pretty metal yeah so um I I grew up listening to Creed I just lost some respect for Big Ed (laughs) some bullshit right there for Charlie (laughs) special Ed (laughs) so you know I grew up listening to to Creed and loved them and then. I mean, Josh Ader is actually the one that got me into Breaking Benjamin. Okay. Funny enough, in elementary school. Shout out, Josh. Would love to get him. Hope on the you're show listening, sometime. man. I hope you are listening. Hope you're doing well, bro. Um, so Josh got me into um, Breaking Benjamin in like I don't know fourth or fifth grade, something mm-hmm. like that. And the the first song I ever heard was "Blow Me Away." Okay. And it was because he had heard the song on the movie Three Hundred. Yep. And so it made me go watch Three Hundred for one. And then it made me dive into um, Phobia, mm-hmm. and which blew me away. wasn't on the album, I don't think. But it I think just Phobia made me, was 06 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so uh, somewhere around there. So it made me dive into that album, and then I'm like, "Oh, what is this?" And I was instantly hooked, just mm-hmm. instantly hooked, and was obsessed with them for a long, long time. Still love Breaking Benjamin. I and. I listen to Breaking Benjamin more than I do Creed these days. Mm-hmm. Not by much, but a little. So for me, it was just because of the evolution that Breaking Benjamin did for me. Choose your words wisely as you show your uh, phobia tattoo to the camera there. <laughs> <sighs> it's fucked up. Yeah, well, you've only got one of these bands tattooed on your body, bro. This is true. This is true. All right, so... Long story short, Breaking Benjamin is is who I would choose to listen to. It was painful, though, wasn't it? It was painful. But uh, I guess the main reason why is because kind of the fall of Creed. Oh, yeah. Like, if if you hear Sean and I kind of joking around about Scott Stapp, it's the look at me. And, like, when we... (laughs) Look at me. <laughs> so after Scott shaved his head and they did like this reunion tour and uh, he was blitzed out of his mind constantly. He was less Jesus like. Look, he, he <laughs> shaved his head and they did this um, like DVD set for their like live show. And this dude is wearing like this silky black shirt. <laughs> But, like, after the first song, it was soaked. Soaked. <laughs> and he's he's running up and down the stage so saying, Look at me! Look at me! And, like, dude had just completely lost his, his pipes, man. And I was like, bro, but you were God. And and that, that was really sad. <laughs> and... I stopped listening to Creed for a long time because of that. Because um, every time I'd listen to a Creed song that I once loved, all I could see was him with a shaved head 
in a in a super black shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was like a long sleeve button up. Bro, it looked like a pirate shirt. It was like <laughs> it billowed in the wind until it became stuck suction cup to his fucking man titties. <laughs> Look at me as he's Look like trying at to my titties, sweating out fucking ten fists of whiskey. <laughs> yeah, bro. Mark Tremonti's going. Uh huh. Yeah, this is I'm why I'm an alder bridge starting. now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but uh man those you know like human clay album bro god that was amazing and then uh what was the the album called with my own prison don't that know the it. name of it no it wasn't what? my own prison wasn't on human clay no 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 my own prison was the album I oh, think. Okay. oh yeah yeah that those, those two albums for me were uh i fucking love those albums but what like, album was what if on I want to say my own prison was now, yeah. Clay, I think it was. E- yeah, yeah. What yes, what it was human clay. Hey, was it's like not a screaming creed idiots show podcast without a little bit of Creed mm-hmm. karaoke. So, so it's funny because what if is actually my favorite Creed song. I think and uh, torn probably, and, and yeah. torn. You gotta say torn. Bro. Yeah, you know I love torn. <laughs> but uh, after that, man, they kind of fell off, and and they, you know, they just had this. All of the Creed. I don't pick up my guitar without playing the opening clean to Torn ever. Ever. I play it every time it's I play not guitar. To. I love it. What's but, your... Um, oh, go ahead. Anyway, Breaking Benjamin only has one album that I kind of dislike. Dawn. Yes. And I fucking think you guys are nuts. I love that album. That album sucked. Bro. I'm indifferent about it. I love that record. It It was not good. I it was better than it. Look. Ooh. That album. Oh, that's a hot take. That album was the very first album I ever purchased on Apple iTunes. And then I listened to it. <laughs> and I was so mad. Give me my fucking that money back. That album was also the last album I ever <laughs> purchased on Apple iTunes. Because I was like, dude, I can't believe I just bought that and it sounded like shit. Because prior to that, if I went and bought a CD, I'd go to, uh, what was that store, like FYE or something like oh, that? Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, the blue logo with the... Or, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I used to go to FYE, and that's where I would find, like, new, new CDs I and believe stuff. you don't like Dark Before Dawn. When angels fall with broken wings. I I, that was an all right song, bro, but, like... Failure? Hollow? Oh, my God. I just, dude, I couldn't do it. Ashes of Eden, defeated, bro. That Ashes oh, of Eden was terrible. That whole album is a ballad jam. I'm so disappointed you don't like that album. It just doesn't do. It I for think me. it had more. It had better songs as a whole than Ember did. I really do. You can hate me if you want, but I, I think I, I think Ember seduced me a little bit with how. When it when it came out, I was mowing my yard listening to it in my headphones, and I stopped mowing like six times because I was like, "God damn, this sounds amazing!" Yeah, because the production was the just like incredible perfect. On that record, yeah. I, I would literally I would stop mowing and I would just stand there in the middle of my yard for a second, like, "Uh, how do I how do I get me to sound like that?" without like 40 grand so let's let's go around the room here real quick and 
What is your favorite Creed song, and what is your favorite Breaking Benjamin song? I really struggle with this because I, I've always had a hard time picking favorites. That's fair. Um, mine's mine for Breaking Benjamin's tough. It's between Dear Agony and um, probably Dance with the Devil. Mm. Um, those are two that just God. Every time I hear them, they hit me so hard. Um, probably Dance with the Devil. That's probably an unpopular opinion, but I just love that song. Yeah. And if I had to pick one from Creed, it's probably Torn. For me, mine would be Weathered. Oh, Creed. okay. That's a jam. It is a jam. Um, is that is that off my own prison? I uh, just is had that off Human Clay. I'd have to say Breath. Okay. Yep, that's, that's a classic it. from yeah, uh, from Breaking jam. Benjamin. Yeah. Creed. Let me look at this real quick. Because uh, Weathered is you off. Don't, you of don't weathered. tell me, bro. <laughs> you don't tell me. Weathered is off of the album Weathered. Oh, okay. That was a good album too. Ooh, one last breath. Uh, Breaking Benjamin. As these boys are weathered, looking through their man. phones, weathered they're terrible was such with a names. Damn. Bullets is the song that's like, look at me. Should have been dead. <laughs> <laughs> that's metal as fuck. <laughs> oh, are you ready? Oh, that's a, mm-hmm. Fuck, man. I can't pick a favorite. Ooh, never die. That's fair. Oh, uh, man. Never Until die the end. Jam. Until the end by Breaking Benjamin might be my favorite. Well, I, I, I'm surprised that one of us didn't take Creed, but just goes to show how influential i think breaking benjamin they is were so huge to all of us yep. we we've talked about how they are a, a transcendent band and and they they stayed relevant for us even though me and you like got into the heavier metalcore yeah. and stuff but we would never not skip we would never skip breaking Benjamin. no no no, no. because they're know? a different kind of heavy bro mm-hmm. like they're just <clears throat> they're, we, we talk about it all the time how heavy is a feeling and i feel like every breaking benjamin yep. song is so fucking heavy yep. their songwriting in general is so heavy yep. um ben burnley does just a fantastic job and i i've seen him live i think you have too i have not i thought you had i've seen him live killer live show too they're so much fun to see live. and what's weird i've heard from one person they're horrible live and from the next, I've heard they're absolutely amazing. They might be one of those bands that's hit or miss. Yeah. I think maybe because Ben's voice is so unique that if he's having an off night vocally, it yeah. might just not be. You know, they're a very vocally driven band. Right. So, but anyway, so that was a good one. All right. Time to dive into the season two finale of Heavy Metal Hot Takes. And and what I've got here is a really interesting topic that um, I'm sure everybody has thought about, but maybe never thought about it out loud. Hang on tight for this one, because it's a long one. Selling out is not the same thing as getting big. Meaning, just because a band Mm. gains more mainstream popularity doesn't mean that they are sellouts. Obscurity doesn't always equal cool. And for me, examples are bands like Era, like Monster Flames, Currents, August Burns Red, who just got popular without changing their sound, while bands like Fit for a King, Memphis Mayfire, Of Mice and Men, Avenged Sevenfold, and All the Remains, in my opinion, sold out and changed their sound to become more mainstream and popular. That was a mouthful. I know, yeah. 
Tyler. I mean, yeah, I, I agree in the sense that, you know, becoming big and becoming popular doesn't necessarily mean that you sold out. Um, I think you, you give really good examples of kind of the differences mm-hmm. with some of these bands. Like, look, you go back and listen to, like, Moss to Flames, their first few albums mm-hmm. slash EPs that they had out. Bro, they were fucking, they were just as gnarly back then. I'm sorry, they're just as gnarly now as they were back then. Yep. yep. Didn't didn't change that that. That just mold. refine their sound. Yeah, just yeah. refine their sound. Mm-hmm. And then you have bands like I didn't want to agree with of mice and men, of mice and men. Um, however, their last two album, albums. two albums, have been rough. So even though I kind of came in late in the game, and you feel like that's when they kind of started to restoring force was kind of that tipping point. I think. Yeah. I, I would agree because it was another you mm-hmm. on on that on that album mm-hmm. that was, was pretty soft. It's an it's an amazing song, and that's the song I first heard by them. Uh, Sean actually sent it and was like, "Hey, check this out. I wonder if it'd be possible for us to do it." The answer was no. <laughs> um, but that was because at the time I I could not scream like that at all, and. That's what got me into that band. I was like, "Oh fuck, I like this shit." Well, and you th- another band I mentioned was Memphis Mayfire, <clears throat> yeah. because they they their first couple albums, Sleepwalking, The Hollow, yeah, and Challenger, yep, were straight up metalcore, yep. And then you go into their album Unconditional, The Slide I Hold, <clears throat> Broken, and then their newest one, uh, Remade in Misery, and they're just like. It's like it's hardcore. It's it's post hardcore is what it is. The it's new album they kind of delve back into their they got heavier a little bit ways, back into but it. it's yeah. like more modern call, feeling. Hardcore, post hardcore. Sorry, post hardcore. We're not gonna hardcore. get into this whole genre. Post hardcore. Um, I was gonna say, man, Norma Jean's gonna show up and whip. No, no, definitely not hardcore. <laughs> definitely not hardcore. Post hardcore. Um, but they, you know, they they changed their sound and got. I mean, they've reinvigorated their career because it it gained them a whole bunch new of new fans, mm-hmm. and it turned old fans like me completely off of them. Like, yep. I'm out. We came as Romans. Oh yeah. Which eh. did they? Do I would that almost disagree. With, no, I would almost disagree with you because if go listen to fucking Daggers and tell me that ain't heavy as fuck. Well, the one they did, was it Cold Like War? Was that the Cold album like with Kyle? W- without Kyle. It was the first album without Kyle, I believe. When Kyle no, because Kyle's on Cold Like Is he? War. Okay. Yeah, he's so on Cold Like that. War. That album's incredible. <sighs> Something it's about, not there's to a plant a seed. It's not growing yeah. what we've under, I know, yeah. but it's But I wouldn't really consider good. him a sellout or anything no, like that. No, them I would not. That. Yeah. But, like, Moths and Era are the perfect examples for me because they, and August Burns Red's another yep. one. Those dudes, especially August Burns Red, they've been around for a long fucking time. Yep. Since the early 2000s. Yep. Go back and listen to Mariana's Trench yep. and listen to anything they're doing now. It sounds, it's just, it's the same thing. It's, yeah. they just refine their sound. They're yep. still playing the same style of music that they played that we all 20 years love. ago, 15 yep. years ago. And they're incredibly popular. Mm-hmm. They got popular by doing what they do at an elite level. And yep. that's the difference between that and a band like, dude, 
it kills me to say, but like all the remains are fucking sellouts, bro. Yeah. Like they were, they were doing the damn thing better than so many people out there. And apparently it wasn't enough for them or they, I don't know what happened, but they completely changed their sound and it fucking Did it have to do with Ollie dying? Maybe. No, because he was still alive when they put out the, um, there's the one with the guns on the front. Yeah. The album with the guns on the front. That has, uh, what if I was nothing on it? That album, oh, yeah. Oh shit, I don't know. No, that's it. That yeah. that what if I is nothing is on that album, but they completely changed their sound and went super mainstream. And I'm just like, why? No thanks. I'm out. And I'm not saying it's not a war you cannot win. Yeah, I think a war you cannot win was yeah. the album that it was. It was like, <laughs> nope. No, Five Finger Death Punch has just been putting the same fucking three riffs into every album for the last fifteen years. But then the order of things. Which was three years later from All That Remains. There's quite a few on that album I we really liked. Like Victory Lap, Pernicious, Bite yeah, My Tongue. It, it wore off on me quickly. It well, was not the album the fall that of truly ideals. did it was Madness in 2017. Oof, that it was, was fucking horrible. Bro, that, horrible. that record was terrible. And then Victim of the New Disease, we could not stand. Nope, don't like that one either. No, the order of things was really good. Um, which was after the which was you after cannot war, win. A War You yeah. Cannot Win had a couple on there. Yeah. Um, but it was not for We Are Many. It was not Overcome. It was right. not This Dark and Heart. Yeah. You know, Fall of Ideals, yep. all that. And But they're incredibly popular. They were. I don't even yep. know if they're doing anything together these days. But, um, you know, when Ollie died, that kind of went out the window. But I guess my whole point was, you know, obscurity does not always equal cool. Correct. But... There is a difference between, you know, there are bands out there that are that got popular by selling out. Mm-hmm. Bro, and we hate on Avenged Sevenfold a lot mm-hmm. on this show. But go back and listen to their first couple albums. Mm-hmm. That shit was pretty... I mean, I'm not saying it was good because M. Shadow sounds like a dying rat. Yeah. <laughs> but it was still pretty heavy. It was still yeah. pretty metally, And they changed their sound, man. That They yeah. went mainstream. They went metally. That's metal as fuck. Yeah, metally. <laughs> metally as fuck. So, but uh, I see why you brought it up as a hot take, and the reason I see it is because there's a lot of bands that'll blow up, and even their, like, they they change nothing. But some of their, like, loyal, quote-unquote, loyal fans or, like, earlier fans will be like, ah, they sold out. Fuck them, guys. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing them on... 99.7 The Blitz now, so... Uh, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. It's like, why don't you just be happy that one of your favorite bands or a band that you liked fucking got some success? Mm-hmm. Instead Especially of, when they didn't change their sound. If they didn't change their sound. And even if they changed it a little bit, look... You don't have to like I, it. I ain't gonna fucking yeah. lie, bro. Like, if, if I had to go back to playing shit like Imaginary Lights and False Beliefs and trust issues and and some of these kind of more prettier songs that we don't really play anymore yeah so that i can do music for a living you bet your ass false beliefs all day per day let's go i get you i don't give a fuck but um i think it's the drastic changes that turn a -hmm. lot of people off Mm -hmm. but like on the other hand Dude, you can only write the same shit so much. 
That's yeah, a lot of as as... why we changed our sound and screaming evidence. I mean, before Preston showed up, we were changing our sound, but it was like we could only write the same shit mm-hmm. so much before it was like, well, mm-hmm. we should we should probably do something a little different. Yeah, I think I, it all depends on your own I, influence. I guess well. I am. You know, I'm the the well world re- renowned gatekeeper of metal. Um, How dare you? I know I'm terrible. I'm a terrible human being. Ask the people on TikTok; they'll tell you all about it. There's not enough um, gatekeepers. No, there's not. And I'm happy to be one of them. So all you fucking people out there that think <laughs> Beartooth's a great band, you can suck my dick. Because <laughs> hey, they fucking man. suck. Yeah, you sent that new Beartooth song and it made me want to kill myself. It was, hey, it was all right. I didn't love it, but I thought it was all right. That dude's voice is just... Their last album board. hurt my soul. Yes. Because I, I really enjoyed their first I will albums. say there are a couple of Beartooth songs that I'm like, yeah, that's all right. I can I can dig that. Mm-hmm. I um, mean, their lyrics, I'll be banging my head till my brain rots. That's metal as yeah. fuck, bro. Yeah. yeah. No, they they have a couple songs that... that and I, so does I Prevail. But they're just I just yeah. don't think there's anything great about those bands. They're just cookie-cutter metal bands. Yeah. That's what they are. They don't do anything inventive. Um, uh, Beartooth does some wild shit, man. I, there's some good. guitar riffs and shit that I hear that's I don't know that I can. No, we play. got two goddamn Beartooth fans in here. Uh, no, I mean I I feel the same. That last album, it just ugh, no. to me. But they write some crazy shit, man. Yeah, I I uh, I've always struggled with just being the I don't that I've said it before I don't like change I'm always stuck in the same mm-hmm. mold of you guys have had to fight tooth and nail to get me to like certain mm-hmm. shit um, I may come around to it I may not but when like one of my favorite bands like that's why I was so disheartened when all the remains went the way they went because mm-hmm. that was a band that did so much for me and when they changed their sound and went more sonic and more rocky there's a part just, of us that was kind of missing I was just like yeah oh, man what a letdown yep and it didn't mean that they weren't writing good songs it was just I was so accustomed. Fifteen years of this, this from this mm-hmm. band, and then they just do a one eighty on me, and I'm like, man, mm-hmm. fuck, you know, it just really got me. Yeah, it hurt me. <laughs> so I've always struggled with, you know, my and boy, that makes perfect sense to what your dad said last episode about how that generation felt about what Metallica did yeah. in 1991. Yep, they made such a drastic change from what. They had just come off of Injustice for All, which is one of the fastest fucking albums yep. ever, to this slow, what I felt, what I know. Yeah. Like, and, and, and your dad's probably saying I love going, karaoke time. Yeah, show. dude, I, I, I say Hey, I don't care what much. anybody says. Metallica writes some of the best fucking ballads there ever they were. They do, for sure. But, our, you know, a lot of our dad's generation didn't think so. And they wanted thrash metal. And I they don't didn't know. Fucking it. Fade to Black. And sanitarium. No, 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 no. I'm talking about like just the straight up switch from thrash to what they were doing in the 90s. There was yeah. a lot of that generation that were like, nope, that's not Ride the Lightning. That's not Master of Puppets. They all that's, like Nothing Else Matters. I guarantee you they do. They might not tell you that, but they do. They liked it. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was an interesting topic. I You see so many people arguing about, oh, well, they're a sellout or they're not a sellout. And Well, what really is a sellout? So I wanted to dive into that preston you had a, a hot take that you threw in here that i think is pretty interesting and and uh i don't I know a couple i don't know how hot it is because i it's right i, I think, think it's, it's one right. that i don't think people may have realized yet so go ahead um so we've mentioned briefly on this episode the band bleed from within yeah um me and Ky- well tyler absolutely loves them as well it feels like they have this certain 
Um, I don't. It's not a kill switch vibe or anything, but like they stay in this thrash vibe, mm-hmm. but more modern thrash metal core vibe. And I used to call it thrash core. Yeah, kind of thrash yeah. core. Yeah. Um, Stop they just the damn... they, to us I'm they honest. feel different, and I don't know how to describe them, but they feel different than an era a like Miles the Flames, a, a whoever else you want to mention. But a recent realization that I came to, and maybe some of y'all listeners will think I'm fucking nuts and like, what is he talking about? Bleed from within is the new Parkway Drive. I absolutely agree. We were talking about it before the show. You can even like listen to just certain facets of their song and go, boy, that sounds like old Parkway Drive. Yep. Like the flow of the song, the, just the, the, the raspy the, scream. Yeah. Just, the, the, it reminds yep. you of Winston. It, because Parkway fell off a fucking cliff. Yep. And I kind of feel like Bleed From Within picked right. Because Parkway was different than a lot of uh Yeah, for some reason they always felt different. That. Yeah, they were different yeah. from all, all right, I'm a, I'm a time times out here. I've never really listened to Parkway Drive. You're missing out. And here's why. Shit, man. The first songs I ever heard from them were probably When They Fell Off. Ew. And I heard him. I was like, "This is fucking garbage." Yeah, you probably heard the new shit. And I forget who was him to carry on. Showed me, but you guys are going to have to send me the stuff you like. We never heard the song "Fucking Carry On." I got. I never. I never got into him because my my first taste of it was like, "Nah, fuck that." If you listen to anything from 2017 on, don't do it. Yep, it's bad. From Ire, their album Ire came out in 2016. White album has red lettering says Iyer on it. That was their last good album. Everything after that sucks. Everything before that's great. Parkway was in my top five at one oh, point. We were same. obsessed, obsessed with, with Parkway. Parkway. They were so fucking heavy and just yep. wrote some of the coolest riffs ever. Yep. It was fucking awesome. Yep. But yep. after the Reverence album and then the newest was one. It Reverence or yeah, Reverence. Reverence. I want to yeah, say then, it was around. 2016, 2017, no when I was introduced to them. No wonder. But I don't remember what songs were sent to me. Yeah. I just know we'll, that they were dog shit. We'll send you some old shit. So yeah. We we uh, didn't fulfill our duties there if we haven't got you into Old Parkway. Yeah. That's that's a We've bad let you job out of us. We've let you down. Well, there's, there's a lot of bands like words you, of you mentioned. Bad job out of you. Like uh, Memphis Mayfire. Like, I... I'd never heard of them until I started out with you guys. Oh, I listened to them. Yeah, there, I I love it. But uh, what's the one? There's there's so many bands that I had never heard of until the last few years, and so I'm doing this huge backtrack. Yeah, going all the way to like yeah, because you were soft thousand metalcore and shit. It's like. I don't know why I never really got into this, but for whatever reason, I just, I didn't. And it's not that I didn't listen to metal. I didn't listen to metal on a regular basis. Right? Yeah. yeah. It just there wasn't was, what you were into at the Look, time. there was some like deathcore shit that Tony would send me and I would like, it was on my MySpace, bro. <laughs> uh, yeah. What is it? Black D- D- Dahlia Murder. Yeah. Black, Black Dahlia Murder. Yeah. 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 Like stuff like that I, yep. I was listening to, but not on the regular basis. Yeah. So, like, I listened to heavy stuff. It just wasn't what I wanted to listen to all the time. But since I've been hanging out with you guys, you guys send me stuff. And I kind of rely, rely on your direction. Um, we and are then your... I let the similar artist thing on mm-hmm. uh, Apple Music kind of take me down journeys. That's that how I found uh, 
Mika re- relocate. Micah relocate. Micah relocate. Oh, oh my lord! Yeah. If, if you guys have never heard of the band, a band called Micah Relocate, unfortunately, they're not together anymore. They dropped two absolute bangers. They're fucking of an assholes. Album, dropped two absolute banger albums and then just, just like disappeared into oblivion. Mm-hmm. Drops yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, drops one album. So amazing and. You talked about deathcore, and I don't think you were out here before uh, when Preston and I were talking about this. But this bring, this isn't a hot take or anything, but this is just a cool thought, and I want to see if you agree. You'll probably know where I'm going with this. So when you think about, <clears throat> you were talking about how uh, uh, "Bleed from Within" is kind of you know the new Parkway and and mm-hmm. things like that. So because they feel like they're kind of just out here. Yeah. So you think about genres, right? You've got like straight up metalcore, melodic metalcore. You have Deathcore. Two ends of the spectrum, right? So you've got bands like Lorna Shore, Slaughter to Prevail, <clears throat> Diarda's Murder, yep. Black Dahlia, all, you know, in this genre over here. And then you've got bands like Polaris and Era that are like straight metalcore. Mm-hmm. But what's in the middle? In the middle, you have bands like Currents, like Make Them Suffer, like Moths to Flames. And like Van like Miles of Flames, sort of, and Vent Animate that Silent Planet. Silent Planet's another one you could throw in there. Yep. Silent Planet's probably more new metal. Yeah. So you've got these bands like like I just named Currents and Make Them Suffer, all that that are somewhere in between metalcore and deathcore because they combine elements of both and do it beautifully. Mm-hmm. Because if you go, I I like that smile. Go listen to. Divisionary by Era, and then go listen to um, Remember, as it Remember, Remember Me, me. by yep. Currents, and be like, well, they call both of these bands metalcore, but I'm hearing some deathcore shit in this Currents song. Think yep. of some of some of the bands that I've really picked out as kind of my favorites within what you guys have sent me, and most of it's going to fall more in that mid- In the middle, mid- yes. Yeah. Middle ground, and I would put Bleed from Within in that middle ground too. God, that album. So you love Bleed, you love Moths, and you love Currents. So maybe I've seen Currents. I've seen Currents live, and I because the thing about Deathcore is I think they draw a lot of influence from Hardcore and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, so I think that's probably why you tend. You might be similar. You might be a sleeping Deathcore fan. You need to listen to some Lorna Shore, my guy. Full send, bro. There's a there's a few bands I think I've sent you that were more along that deathcore. Both of you guys have been sending some, Dying mm-hmm. Wish. You both have been sending some more deathcore shit. Like there's the a chat. band uh, called End, E N D, that is it. It sounds more like hardcore, just like sonically, but like the style is probably closer to that. That deathcore shit. Mm-hmm. I've and been. I, I like them a lot. I've been. <laughs> I've been getting way into deathcore lately. Oh, That's just kind of been my my vibe here lately. Um, but it's just cool to think like when you really start to dissect bands and their style, you can almost find the connections and the the the, mm-hmm. the subtle differences of. And I'm not trying to create new genres or anything, but I just we we dissect music on such a high level that it's interesting to. Yeah, it's like where are we going to fit these guys in? Where at? do you, you know what what makes this band different from this band and that mm-hmm. band and it's especially cool to, when we talk about how all these there's a certain group of bands that like kind of bored of yeah it's like 
Uh, would I've you heard say that before, before? Would you say before the show? That. You're like, I'm just kind of, I'm dry. I'm burnt yeah, out I'm, on I'm bored on the metal with music right, now. right yeah. now. Yep. And it's, maybe it's due to my own fault of not being able to search more stuff. This band right here, you got to. Do the thing, do that do thing, thing where, where you send, you send it. it. Yeah. <laughs> like I did with that Nomad song, which is like deathcore meets hardcore meets mm-hmm. thrash metal. It's I've shouted out that band before, but go listen to Nomad TN. Uh, those dudes fucking rip. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a cool thing. Preston, you did have one more hot take in here. I yeah. Do you remember it? Or do you I, want me? Uh, in there? Yeah, it was, it was jazz guitar is harder to play. Okay. I added metal. that. So I didn't. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, you get on Instagram and it does that, like the part of Instagram where it knows what you like to see yeah. to where, because Instagram's always listening. Yeah. So of course it's all related to guitar playing music and golf and working out and shit. Um, RNG. And every now and then, <laughs> every now and then like jazz guitar will pop up rather than a metal guitarist. And I watch these dudes play in this jazz fast pick style and these weird chords and the timing of it is so weird to me. And I kind of took a step back and I'm like, is playing jazz guitar harder than playing metal? Yeah. Well, when we talk about hand positions, right? We're like, that's oh, like a fucking jazz chord. Yeah. It's, it's, it's I it's mean, fucked. they're fucking contortionists it's with their fucked. hands, bro. It's fucked. So Tyler could probably speak on this way better than I could. Yeah. So, I mean, look, jazz is, is very, very rooted in music theory and Mm -hmm. it's, it's not a style of music that you can really go into without having some knowledge of music theory and these quote unquote jazz chords is really, it's, it's just chords you know, first, third, and fifth position of a scale or whatever to create a chord, major, minor, add the seventh, uh, diminished, augmented, Mm -hmm. all this fun shit that you learn in music theory that you can do with chords. They're just doing that, but they're they're not using the standard hand positions for like G or D or A or whatever. They're using the whole fucking fretboard. Yeah. And they're like, yep. I want to play a fucking A, but I don't want to play it up here like a little bitch. I want to play it over here. And what that requires is me to do this like weird thing yes. with my hand. Yep. And it's cool, though, because it sounds great. But uh, and, and, you know, I'm amazing, so I can actually play it. And, and then you just, switch to another chord that's they're just almost, as fucked. Yeah, but it's it's not even the same shape. And that's, no. that's where it gets really hard. And honestly, as, as much as we talk... Uh, you know, me and dad, as much as we talk up Tony, mm-hmm. um, Tony Tipton, he's a shredder, dude. He can do amazing things on the guitar. But he told me when I was like 14, he looked at me and he said, learn how to play chords fast. Because that's one thing I'm not good at. Yep. And I was like, ooh. And honestly, that statement right there drove me down the path that I went on the guitar because... You you know, for me playing and what I fuck around with, mm-hmm. I do a lot of chords, a lot of weird hand positions. You do, bro. Watching you play guitar gives me a fucking aneurysm. That's that's what the type of stuff I do because it's not easy to do, mm-hmm. but it's kind of slept on. Yeah. You know, people want the um, flashy whittly diddlies and they want the noodle in and, and stuff like that, but like... 
I always gravitated towards rhythm guitar because, dude, I can do shit rhythmically that'll fucking blow you away, you know? Mm -hmm. And maybe it doesn't land for everybody, but anyone that that tries to mimic what I'm playing, they're going to be sitting down. They're going to be like trying to learn it by ear and be like, uh, show me that chord. You mind, uh, you mind doing the thing where you like send it over. (laughs) (laughs) Can you give me the sheet music to that? (laughs) Show me the tabs if you could. And then you're going to see the tabs and it's going to be like, you did what? You're going, my hand doesn't bend like that. And then you're going there. What? That doesn't even make sense. And um, that's the kind of stuff I'm into. Jazz musicians do a lot of that. Um, and they play really fast. And and the, the, the timing chord, stuff, yeah. look, the timing stuff doesn't, like it's kind of perceived as complicated for people who don't really study rhythm. I had an advantage because I did like fucking concert band and shit, percussion. And so I had to understand all these rhythms and stuff. But for people who didn't have that, they look at this and they're like, ah, oh, that's kind of goofy or that's kind of weird. Or how do you, how do you make sure you're on time with that? And it's like, dude, I just use a fucking metronome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, use a metronome, understand eighth notes, quarter notes, half notes, sixteenths, whatever. Um, and, and you just fucking play it. Yeah. But, um, that that type of shit is really fucking hard for a lot of musicians. Yeah. And so I would say jazz guitar is much harder to play than I'd um, like... metal. But I would say one of the first things my dad told me when I was young, he said, if you want, you know, to, to learn the feel of music, learn the blues. Mm-hmm. To learn the speed, learn bluegrass and jazz. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would say there's probably a lot of other people out there that maybe got that kind of advice or maybe seen it. And so they, they probably look into some of this jazz stuff and pull influence from it because there's stuff that metal, metal, some of these metal guitarists that you guys send me that are doing pretty similar shit, um, just maybe not to the extent and to the weird level that jazz. Well, we mentioned, do. we mentioned periphery on this show often and, in like interludes or the beginning or ends or sometimes in the middle of their song, there are jazz pieces. And be, and not to say that jazz is off time, maybe I'm perceiving it slightly different or uh, maybe I definitely am. Um, like they definitely have jazz influences in their music and there's a reason they they put that style in their music and it it's foreign to me, man. Yeah. Completely foreign to me. Do you have a hot take or you want to let this one marinate? Um, I don't have much of a hot take, but I, I have something I'd be interested in, in closing out the season with. Okay, buddy. Send us home. We are on episode 12. Mm-hmm. That's about 22 to 24 hours of content yes. so far. <clears throat> Whether it's for the entire show or just this season, what was your favorite, I guess, moment, discussion, mm. oh, whatever? Man. Boy, I'll tell you, for me, man, tonight's been fun. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I have I have said it before. I love having guests on. I love getting um, the different perspectives, the different stories, um, different insights and, and journeys, things like that. But I always love when we're able to get just the three of us back in the studio and just do do what we do, man, and just talk music and and you know we come up with a show sheet and and you know try to stick to it and try to cover all the topics and all that but we always end up going off on tangents and 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 talking about something completely different and whatnot and i think that's what's most fun for me is just how fluid all of this is and and we we've said it from the very beginning you know that's why we started doing this is because these are conversations that we we have just amongst ourselves and now we're just putting it out for other people to hear and, and to mm-hmm. take part in. Um, but my, you know, God, your, your dad with the WKPUSSY, <laughs> the fuzzy spot on your radio. That was pretty fucking great. Um, was the BDSM shit this season too? It was, wasn't it? I think it, it was. Yeah. It? No, there might've been last sure? season. I don't know. It blends together. I, yeah, it does. Uh, we've been grinding so hard to get this, this put together. Said, for the I listener. thought BDSM stood for <laughs> big dick, small mouth. I think We're that was last BDSM. <laughs> Promo code. <laughs> Promo code BDSM. There's been, I mean, shut up in there. There's been so many moments yeah. that like just stick in my mind of, God damn, this is fun. And this is why we're doing it. It's hard for me to just narrow down one. I've, I've had a blast doing it. I, I, I can't wait to continue doing it and, you know, get to work on season three. Um, it, it's just, it's a release for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I enjoy, <coughs> I even enjoy the after hours work of, of doing the video editing and putting content out because of the people that reach out and say, man, I can't wait for the next episode. I can't wait for the next, you know, piece of content you guys are going to put out. So that's what makes it rewarding. But even if I didn't get that, I still have a blast just sitting here with mm-hmm. you guys talking about the shit we love. Yep. Preston. So many moments, hard for me to pinpoint one, but if I were to pinpoint one, it was the way Derek was able to describe what metal music did for him as a kid. The way he was able to put that into words, and the way I was able, and probably you guys as well, able to relate to that. Um, As soon as he said soundtrack for your success or whatever. Soundtrack to your life. And it was cool to hear a best friend growing up, like... It's what we did. Like, we listened to metal music. We played football. We lifted weights. And it was like, for maybe we didn't realize it at the time, but however many years later, to hear him explain why we liked the music that we did in a way that we probably couldn't put into words. It was so ourselves. revealing for us. Yeah, yeah, I was like, holy shit, no, no wonder. Um, and it explains a lot of our stories. But just the way he was able to put it into words and explain it, I hope the listeners felt the same way in the way he was able to explain it. Um, I would say that's probably my favorite moment. Another piece for me, Tyler, I don't want to, you know, take away from you, given no, yours, good. but we got time. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're not on time crunch here. Um, the episode, and I believe it was when we, the episode we had Sean on where you and I especially got really vulnerable and got really um, emotional and were able to uh, 
vent some demons out there. And, bro, I couldn't do that in any other space. Like, I wouldn't feel comfortable enough to do that in any other space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And to to be on the verge of, you know, and actually having <clears throat> tears in my eyes talking about something, you know, that I went through in my life and how this music got me through that, man, that's cool as shit. Mm-hmm. To be able to, because we talk about it all the time, us as men have a terribly hard time, or a lot of us do anyways, expressing those emotions, coming to grips with certain things, and being able to talk about it openly and kind of vent it out. And this platform has given us the opportunity uh, to do that. And I'm I'm very grateful for that because, man, that makes you feel better when you're able to like put it out there in the space and, and say, yep, it happened. I made it through it. I'm a better person for it. And I'm where I am today because of it. So that's another piece to get a little more, you know, deep and emotional. You know, the funny stuff is, is unforgettable, but that right there is something that'll stick with me because, you know, that was, I've talked about it and I talked to some friends that listen to the show. I'm like, man, when you guys hear this episode, you're going to hear me get choked up. And I'm still kind of struck. I told you guys the next day, I'm like, I'm struggling with how vulnerable I got. Mm-hmm. because it was like post-nut clarity, right? <laughs> You're like, <clears throat> oh, wait a second. <laughs> you need some PNC. <laughs> I'm like, damn, did I really like get choked up and like, oh, it's so embarrassing. And, you know, but no, it's not. It's not at all. It, but it's just, as a man, that's the way you think. Like, ah, you right. fucking pussy, suck it up. But this space gives us an opportunity for that to be okay and you know, that to to be allowed to flow out and be talked about. Right. And, um, so that is another piece for me that has just been huge. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I would say is, is these deeper conversations we've had some of, uh, some of the earlier hot takes that I, I was able to deliver, uh, making us really think and go down mm-hmm. like rabbit, rabbit holes and heavy um, as a feeling, heavy as a feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, especially the episode with Derek, we all got pretty deep mm-hmm. on that one. Mm-hmm. Got talking about, you know, all these struggles that, that I have with, you know, being a fucking dad and trying to make it through this shit and how metal has helped me with, you know, being being that soundtrack for that, that struggle. Yeah, you man. know what I mean? and. We what I don't want is is for this to necessarily be like a therapy session for us, but I do enjoy those conversations because when we have those conversations, it forces me to try to put those thoughts into words. Yeah, and I sit here and I I mix the audio. I have to listen to myself talk and how I will be mid thought trying to speak and my words will be all drawn out and there'd be long pauses in between what I'm saying. And I'm like, dude, you sound fucking dumb. (laughs) (laughs) But what it is is like, is like I'm, I'm, I'm forcing myself to try to put into words these, these things that, I mean, a lot of the conversations we have, we, we, we've had these conversations in our group chat. We've Mm -hmm. had these conversations out at dinner, just hanging out. But some of these conversations we really haven't had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I haven't had to put those feelings or uh, thoughts into words. And for me, this has kind of been that that space, that opportunity to get better at that. Because I think that is quite important, being able to 
vocalize those thoughts and those feelings that you deal with. And, you know, I mentioned a couple of times on the show just where metal and and this music that we talk about really helps express the feelings and emotions that we deal with that we have a hard time expressing Mm -hmm. ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's a vessel. And this this show is is proven to be an opportunity to kind of get better at expressing those things in words. And for me, some of my favorite, you know, points in in this show were kind of like that conversation you and I had, um, episode one of this season, mm-hmm. where, you know, we, we got real emotional. We talked about some serious shit that we've dealt with and how music pulled us out of those moments. And I think so many people... So many people listening and so many people that will eventually listen to this show will relate to what we talked about. They will relate to the struggles we we have discussed and our guests have discussed. And that's why I think it's cool having guests on because almost everyone, not that they have the same story, but there's similarities in the stories. And it's like, you know, even having my dad on. You know, it was it was kind of similar with his musical journey getting into metal and hard rock and stuff that he was doing. Um, what I mean, he didn't really discuss some of the the deeper level things that went on in the background, but he he really did have very similar story to what a lot of us had, and I think that that relatability is what got some of our earlier fans of the show mm-hmm. interested because it would be these moments of, you know, we're laughing, we're joking, and then we're getting real serious and we're talking about something that's not easy to talk about. Yeah, man. And these people are probably, you know, while I'm listening to it, mixing the audio, I'm like, fuck, man. It is so hard to talk about that. And you have to have a certain kind of friend Mm-hmm. around you to be able to talk about that stuff and dude it's it's fucking sad but some people just don't have the fucking friends out there that yep. will listen to that shit yep. and it's terrible man like not to get too into society and shit today but like especially for men like it's it's hard to find friends as a dude that can have those conversations with you mm-hmm. and maybe at least listening to it and seeing that we're just like you guys, you know, it's hard for us to talk about this shit. Fucking talk about it. Yeah. You're going to feel a lot better. And especially if you're dealing with the type of shit Kyler and I have dealt with uh, that we talked about in, in episode one. Fucking talk about it. Yeah, dude. Talk to somebody. And I don't say that like the typical cliche of I'll go, go, go seek help or, and, yeah, no. you know, whatever. Look, if you're dealing with some shit, no matter who you are, it fucking helps to talk about it. And I've always had a hard time talking about it, even though I've had the friends to be able to do it, just because I couldn't fucking put it into words. Sure. So I think those are some of my favorite moments um, so far with the show, is when we can get into those deeper conversations and kind of get vulnerable for a minute. 
and allow ourselves the opportunity to really try to express some of the shit that we deal with. We talk about it all the time. It's the metal brotherhood. And that's, that's mm-hmm. what this is all about. You know, we all listen to this, this music for a reason. And you guys listen to this show for a reason. And we're doing this show for a reason. And uh, I don't think that I could have ever put it in any better words than what Tyler just did. And I hope you guys that are guys and gals that are listening all agree. Um, you know, you guys are a part of this family with us. Um, we're doing this just as much for, for you guys as we are for us. And, and we hope you enjoy it. You know, we, we, we try to balance the, the lightheartedness with the serious shit because that's what that's what this music is all about. Um, it all goes back to the music. Um, so we are eternally grateful for every one of you, every one of you that listens on a weekly basis or if you're a Patreon subscriber, you know, binging the content. Uh, however you might be listening, we're uh, so thankful for you guys. We hope you enjoy it. Um, and there's obviously going to be a lot more to come. We hope you've enjoyed season two. It's been a blast putting it together. Uh, thank you again to our guests, Sean, Scotty, Big Ed, Charlie, Special Ed, uh, whatever you want to call him. Uh, thank you guys for coming on. Got some exciting guests coming on season three. Uh, can't wait. It's going to be an awesome summer. Um, got some screaming evidence shows coming up that we're going to be talking about. Um, so looking forward to that. Um, bonus content, you know, that, you know, by the time you're listening to this, uh, the bonus content will already be out and I hope you've enjoyed that. If you're a Patreon subscriber, if you're not hop on that Patreon, give us a, give us a shot on there. At our backstage pass again, just five bucks a month. We, uh, don't, don't want to, you know, be gouging on price or anything. We just want to put good content out there that's instantly accessible to you guys and, and also, you know, have you be able to interact with us uh, one-on-one. Make sure you keep up with us on all of our social media channels, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all at TSIS Podcast. That way you can keep up on any and all updates on Season 3, uh, merch, all of the above. Uh, so give us a follow on all those if you don't already. Thank you to everyone that does already follow us. It's been a blast. We'll see you guys in a couple weeks for season three. And until next time, we are the Screaming Idiots. Peace, love, dove. Hey.